You're about to hear a sermon from High Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Stay tuned to hear church announcements following the sermon. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Last week, we talked about how when they're in the boat, a storm comes and Jesus calms the storm, which is interesting because we think that when terrible things happen in our life, God abandons us, but it's not the case. Even when terrible things happen, Jesus is still on the boat with you. Um, it's not an indication of the lack of God in your life when horrible things happen. Um, so they get on to the other side now, and this happens. Verse 28, when Jesus came to the other side, to the, to the country of the uh, Gadarians, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us? O son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs were feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave the region. All right. So there's a couple things I think we need to be reminded of this morning as we read this passage of what happened. And one thing I think we don't think about enough here, especially in this country and in this time, two demon-possessed men came out to meet Jesus. That's the background of the story. There is a spiritual battle that is raging in our world, in our reality, that we often forget, right? We live in this comfortable Disneyland sort of country called America, where everything is so safe and secure. And, you know, we have everything and we have so much abundance. We forget that there is a spiritual world that we are a part of, and there is actually a battle raging. And it's very real. Though we may not be aware of it, the reality of the spiritual battle is no less real. There's this really old movie that's really awesome called The Unusual Suspects. And uh, if you're old like me, you've seen it. Um, and if you're young and cool, you've seen it. <laughs> but there's this line in the movie where the guy says, the, um, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. The greatest trick that the enemy, and now this is from the Bible, this is from a movie, okay? So, but it's true. In our country, there are a lot of Christians who say they believe in Jesus and in God and in the Bible who don't believe that there is a real devil and a real and real demons and real demonic forces in our world. Like we're cool with believing in God and the cross and all of those things. But then we don't actually think and live and realize that there is also another force evil, dark forces that exist, not just back then, not just in the Bible, not just these demon-possessed men, but in our lives today. And we're very unaware. And that is exactly how Satan would like to keep it. 
Because if you're not aware of what he's doing, then you won't do anything to counter what he's doing. Does that make sense? So the first thing we need to realize, and sometimes that's all we need to be reminded, that Satan is real and is actively trying to work against your relationship with God and trying to work to undermine everything God wants to do in our life. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is not a metaphor. This isn't Paul being poetic. He is talking about the reality that we live in. There are forces of darkness in, in the cosmic realm that is fighting against us. When this passage talks about two demon-possessed men. This isn't talking about two just mentally uh, deranged people. This isn't them just taking liberty. This is a reality that we have to realize. Now, this is hard for us modern people to really wrestle with, but it's true. Why do you think that it's, and this is not just something that happens in other countries. This is happening right here. Not in someone else's life, but I do believe that there's a spiritual battle happening in all of our lives. Every time you try to take a step closer to Jesus or try to get to grow in your relationship with God, why do you think you feel so much resistance? I mean, yeah, there's resistance from trying to change, but there's something, there's another layer. It's extra hard when it comes to trying to step closer to God, isn't it? And I'm saying it's not just because we suck. There is an active force that is fighting against the kingdom of God and fighting against our relationship with Jesus. Think about it. I mean, we all know, and if you grew up in the church, you know that reading the Bible, spending time with Jesus every day, praying, you know, doing your quiet time, doing all that is good. And you always say when you go to a church, when you go to church or you go to a retreat and you're reminded, you're like, oh yeah, I need more of that. I need the word of God in my life. I need it. And then we sing the song and you're, as you're singing, you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go home and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to wake up or I'm going to make time in my day to spend time with God, the giver of life. And you're all pumped up and then you get there on Monday and what happens? You just can't do it, right? It's so hard. It feels, it's just, it's so difficult. Why is it so hard to find 20 minutes of your day to read the word that you know gives life and spend time conversing with your heavenly father? Why is it so hard? to find 20 minutes out of the 1,440 minutes that you are given every single day. We can't seem to find 20, 15 minutes out of 1,440 minutes when you and I have no problem spending 240 minutes, four plus hours on our phones. And that's just the average in America in 2017. And the trend is going up. So it's 2018. So that means many of us are spending a lot more than 270 minutes a day on staring at our phones. At the same time, we're, it's so easy, isn't it? And, for, and that's only the average of 18 to around 30 year olds. They haven't even studied the younger ones. Some of the younger ones, it's like four hours. That's, that sounds too little for me, right? 
Because that's the average, which means there's some who spend a lot more time. Why is it so easy for us to stare at our apps for four hours a day and so difficult to stare or to spend time with the living God? There is something more than just our own laziness at work here. There's something much more. There is, I feel like there is a spiritual resistance that is actively working against us. As Paul says, spiritual forces why are humans, why are you and I so destructive, self-destructive? We're the only species that are this self-destructive, if you think about it. Animals, plants, all living things on this planet by instinct are designed to do things that are good for them, that will help their lives thrive. Human beings are the only ones that choose to do things that are destructive to our own flourishing. We Every weekend, drink poison till we pass out and have a great time doing it. Why do we do that? Right? We go and create new ways to destroy our health. I don't understand. Like, we take all of this intelligence that we're given and we use it to destroy ourselves. It's crazy. There is something that is causing us to be the only species to try to destroy ourselves. Because here's the plan of the enemy. See, one, the enemy exists, but two, you need to know what he's trying to do, his intentions. In John 10, 10, Jesus says this. It says, the thief, and he's talking about Satan, comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus is saying is this Satan is real and this is his agenda. He wants to come to steal what belongs to us, kill our life, and destroy us. God has a plan for us. God has blessings and life that he wants to give us and Satan will do anything he can. His purpose, his purpose for existence right now is to steal and kill and destroy the life and the purpose that God has for us. And we need to be aware of that. That he is actively trying to kill and steal the life that God has from us. Jesus does not ignore the devil. He deals with it. And as followers of Jesus, we also must not ignore the fact that the devil and his forces are among us and we need to not ignore him, but we need to deal with it. And if the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist, the greatest weapon that the devil has is lies. You see, the greatest weapon of the enemy is deception. In the Bible, it says that when Satan lies, he's speaking his native language because that's, that's, that, that's what he speaks. And if you look at these demon-possessed men and when they come out and these men speak to Jesus, you can see the lies that they speak. When these demons came come at Jesus. They say, have you come here to torment us? You see, the greatest lie that Satan wants us to believe is that God wants to destroy and torment us. Do you believe that? Have you bought into that lie? 
You're like, no, I don't believe God wants to destroy me and torment. He loves me, right? That's what we sing about. That's what we say. But there's a part of us that are deceived. Why? When I ask people, do you want to know what God wants you to do in your life? Some people are like, yeah, tell me. But then there's some people who are like, I don't want to know. Like, why? Why don't you want to know? Or some people are like, when I'm asking, hey, do you want to hear the voice of God? And they're like, no. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Why not? Why wouldn't you want to hear the voice of God? Because they're like, I'm afraid what he's going to say. I'm afraid what he's going to tell me to do. Why would you be afraid of what he's going to tell you to do? Because I'm scared that he's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. I'm afraid that he's going to tell me to give up something that I don't want to give up. I'm afraid that if he tells me, if I listen to God, he's going to lead me into a life of suffering and pain <laughs> that I'm not going to, I'm going to lose all my freedom. That I'm going to lose all my joy. That I'm going to lose all my pleasure. You see, do you see the deception? Some of us have bought in to the lie that if we follow Jesus and if we submit our life to the will of God, that God is going to punish us and make us suffer and, and, and die. That's what Satan wants us to believe. So he says, don't, don't, don't follow Jesus. Don't do what he says. Don't you see? God wants you to suffer. He wants you to, he wants you to have a boring life. He wants you to have a life that is full of suffering and pain. So don't give up your life to him. Don't surrender your freedom. He wants you to suffer. And look at what these demons say to Jesus. Have you come to torment us? Have we bought into the lie? God is not here to torment you. He's not here to hurt you. He's not here to steal or to destroy you. That's what the enemy is here to do. Don't you see we have it flipped? We've bought into the lies of the enemy saying, no, I'll trust in my sin, in my own works, in my own things. And if I trust those things, it'll lead me to life. But it's not. Those things are what's going to destroy us. When Jesus comes in and we follow him, he's the one that's going to lead us to life and life abundantly. Jesus came to give us life. Yes, it's true. Jesus did come to destroy someone and to destroy and to torment and get rid of something, but it's not you. He came to destroy sin. He came to destroy the, the devil. He came to destroy injustice. He came to destroy all the things that sin has ruined in our world. He came to destroy evil. And the demons know that. But the demons have twisted that and made us think that he came to destroy us. You see, the demons know some things that we don't. They see clearly the spiritual reality. In Revelation 19, the end of the Bible, this is what's going to happen. This is what all of us are going to see. And when Jesus shows up on that shore and these demons see Jesus, these demons inside these people see Jesus, this is who they see. 
Revelation 19 says this, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, many crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword which, uh, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is who Jesus is. And when Jesus stepped on that shore, these demons did not see a poor carpenter Jewish man. They saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so the demons were terrified. Every time in the Bible, when Jesus steps up to a demon-possessed person, that person screams in terror because the, the demon recognizes who he is. You are the Son of God. Are you here to destroy us? And the answer is absolutely. Jesus is here to destroy every evil thing, every darkness, every lie, every sin. I am the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And with all the authority and the power and the armies of heaven, I am here to win this battle and to free my people. And the demons know that one day, Revelation 20, the next chapter, it says this. It says, when Satan comes, they march up over the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Fire comes down from heaven to consume them. And the devil who had deceived the world was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Yes, Jesus is here to throw and to torment evil. And these demons are afraid. But the great deception, the lie of the enemy is that you and I are our sin, that you and I, that the darkness that clings to us is us and that Jesus is therefore here to destroy you. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? This is what sin does. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it says this, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely the nature of sin is that it clings to us. It, it clings to us so closely. The second we, the moment we sin comes into our life, it's attached to us and there's nothing we could do to shake it off. Nothing. It doesn't matter how, how good of a person you are or how successful you are or how religious you are. Once sin is in your life, it's stuck. It's there. Let me give you an example. Come here. Uh, come here, Ben. Come here. You're right here. I'm sorry. You just, you just, you just gonna come here and be part of. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So let's say I'm sin, and Ben is Ben. All right. Okay. So let's say he just he just sinned right now. This is what happens. Boom. I've I'm clinging to him. Do you feel that strong grip? You feel it, right? You feel that the incredible grip that of my of the sin in your life, right? And there's nothing, you're trying to shake your shoulder. Shake it. He can't. No, nothing he's doing. You know, nothing he's doing. He's trying. Here, keep shaking your shoulder. No, there's no way. Sin has, he's clinging to Ben. 
All right. And then I've been now over the years, but he's trying, but I'm not going away. And then over the years, he just, I'm just, we're just hanging out. And now Ben and I are friends because we've been together. In fact, I might be Ben's oldest friend. And it's for some of us, sin is our oldest friend because there's just been sin in our life so long, so long that it eventually you feel like sin is a part of you. And there's no more difference between you and sin. You just identify with your sin. And sin is clinging to you. And, and you kind of like your sin now. So, you know, put your arm around my shoulder. Now we're buddies. Not only am I clinging to Ben, now Ben is clinging to me. And we need each other. I need Ben. And Ben needs me. He cannot do anything without me. He needs, right? And now Ben identifies himself. I'm Ben, Joe's friend. <laughs> right? That's part of who Ben is now. I am part of Ben's identity. Okay, thank you. Sit down. All right. I know that was a dumb, dumb illustration, but that's really what happened. Don't, don't clap. That was a dumb illustration, but I just need us some sort of visual of what happens when sin clings to our life. It, it, it befriends us. It holds us and we can never let it go. So eventually it just becomes part of us. We identify with it, it becomes part of who we are. And now when someone comes to take that sin away, instead of saying, yes, finally, someone who's going to take this sin away, you start saying no. And you become defensive of your sin. You're like, no, this is who I am. This is my oldest friend. We've been together for so long. I don't know what my life is going to be like without this sin. This is, how could you, but, and then you start to freak out and there's a part of you that starts, and that sin starts to be like, Ben, we need to get out of here. This guy is here to destroy, not, not just me, but us. And he's here to destroy you because I am a part of you now. How many times have you identified with your sin? Said it's part of who you are. This is me. How many times have you bought into the lie? I'm just a lazy person. I'm just undisciplined. I suck. I'm just selfish. I'm just a liar. I can't help it. This is just who I am. How many times has your addiction just didn't feel like something else outside of you, but felt like it's just who you are and you can never deal with it? How many times have you said that depression isn't just something else? It is who I am. How many times have we let our failures and our sin not just be a failure and sin, but you say it's who I am? The moment we have said that's who I am, then you have bought into the lie that you are your sin, but you are not. That's why when God comes near, there's parts of you that wants to run, but those parts that want to run from God, those are not you. That is the darkness and the sin that has taken up residence within your life and they do not belong there. Amen. Do not let the sin that clings to you so closely ever let, make you think that's who you are. We are not our addictions. We are not our weakness. We are not our greed. We are not our selfishness. This is not just who we are. It's not how we've been made. So right now, just right now in your minds, can you think of all of the things in your life that you have bought into that you said, this is just who I am. Maybe there's a certain sin that you're always dealing with and you're like, this is just me. Or maybe you've always said, I'm just so lazy. And you've just kept saying that to yourself, either out loud or in your head or in your heart, or you just kept saying something, I'm just not worthy, or I'm just not good enough. All of these things, or you look at all your failures and you say, I'm just a failure. I want you to take those things or your depression that's holding onto you so tightly, 
or that sexual sin that you just feel like has been a part of your life for so long, it just defines who you are. And I want you to hear the word of Jesus, which says, go. Because one word from Jesus has the power to break sin's grip on your life, to break the demonic power that has you captive. One word. Jesus says, go. If you have a Bible where Jesus' words are in red, he only says one word in this whole section, and that's all he needs to say. It's not about how disciplined you are. It's not about how righteous you are. It's not about how hard you try. It's about Jesus's power invading your life and releasing the grip of sin. One word from Jesus has the power for true freedom to free us from our demons, to set us free. Do you believe it? Let him speak into your life today. Let him into those areas of your life that you're afraid to, that you've been afraid to let him walk into. The, fr- the areas of your life that you've been holding on to, that you've been so scared to let Jesus take. I don't know what areas that might have been. Those areas maybe that have been so close to your heart that you've identified with for so long. I need you to trust that he's not here to hurt you. He's not here to kill you. He's here to save you. And if you hold on to those things, those things will only lead to your destruction. See, Jesus is going to destroy sin and evil. He's going to cast them out into the lake of fire. And if you are still holding on to that sin, then you're going with it. But that's why Jesus came so that those, we can be free from those things. And when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power, the grip of sin and the demonic forces over your life. He did. That's why he died. That's why it took the son of God's life to break those powers over you. And so now, if you believe in the name of Jesus, we're free. We're free. But I don't feel free. Some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, I've accepted Jesus and it was real. And I believe you. But some of you are like, but you're still so, I still feel like I'm a slave to sin. The sin is still there in my life. Well, let me tell you what happened. Ben, come here. Come back up here, Ben. <laughs> so let's say now this is what happens here. All right? Because the reality is like, so I'm, I got this grip on Ben. I'm sin. And I'm clinging to Ben. Here, put your. And let's just say we're holding hands, all right? I'm gripping onto his hand. I won't let him go. Try to shake me off, Ben. Go ahead, try to do it. He can't do it. And then Jesus comes, and, and, and through his blood on the cross, he breaks my, hold, he breaks my grip. I no, longer, I'm a, I no longer have a grip on Ben, right? I can't hold on to him even if I try because he's covered in the blood of Jesus, and now he's all slippery. You know, like it's just, I just can't. I can't hold on. I can't hold on to Ben. I'm trying, trying to claw my way back, but I can't hold on to Ben. I have no more power over Ben. Amen? You believe that, Ben? Yes, I don't. However, guess what? Ben's still got a grip on me. 
You just grip my shoulder. It'll be less awkward that way. No, this one, this one. Okay. <laughs> so I can't, I have no power to grip Ben anymore because he belongs to Jesus. He's covered in the blood of Jesus, all right? I can't do it. But Ben, it still has his grip on me. So for some of us, God has freed us from our sin. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer bound to our sin. We are no longer defined by our sin. But the problem is we're the ones still holding on. We're the ones who keep going back. We're the ones who are like, I still need this. I still want this. But guess what? You are not bound. You, if you trust God and you can let go, you have the power and the freedom to let go of your sin and your addiction and those things that you thought you could never be free of. God has freed you. And so you can let go. Let go, Ben. Yeah, we're free. Ben is free. Go sit down. All right. That is the reality. For some of us Christians, you're like, I, there's still this sin in my life. You have the power in Jesus' name to let it go before you did not have the power to let go. You were a slave to your sin. You couldn't let go even if you wanted to. But right now, if your faith is in Christ, you are free. Amen? You can walk away. We can be free. And when Jesus comes to take that sin and throw it into the fire, you will not go with it. For we are headed to the kingdom of God, into eternal life. And the enemy is going to just be thrown into a herd of pigs and going to be destroyed. Amen. So, let the destructive, selfish, lustful, sinful parts of us go today because he has freed us. He has freed us with his blood. But are you willing to let go and to surrender to Jesus today? Let's take a moment to pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.